Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. Our listener support campaign continues. You can become one of our ongoing Patreon supporters for as little as $2 per month by just going to patreon.greatdetectives.net. And you can also support the podcast using the Zelle app to box13 at greatdetectives.net. And thank you so much to Daniel for sending along a donation that way. It's truly appreciated. Now it's time for this week's episode of Dangerous Assignment. The original air date, July 3rd, 1951, and the title is A Country's Democracy Threatened. Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell. Yeah, danger is my assignment. I get sent to a lot of places I can't even pronounce. They all spell the same thing, though. Trouble, but... When I walk into the commissioner's office, I don't realize that this assignment's going to make a flower hater out of me. A sunflower almost has me pushing up daisies. Morning, Commissioner. Ruth said you had an assignment for me. I do, Steve. Your plane leaves for South America in one hour. South America? Pretty hot down there this time of year, isn't it? Not as hot as it'll be after you get down there. Well, send me off to get shot at on a note of gaiety, I always say. Okay, what's the deal? Here's the deal, Steve. This country right here on the map. Yeah. Yeah, I might have known. Well, what do you mean? I read the newspapers, too, you know. Then you know the background of the deal. Pretty much. That particular country's on the fence politically. There's an election coming up next week. The party in power is democratic and friendly to us. The minority party is fascist and not friendly to us. Right. Last night, Borrego, head of the minority party, was murdered. What? And what's worse, the man they suspect of murdering Borrego is an American named Hartley. Oh, fine. Has he been arrested? No, he's in hiding somewhere in that country. It's a mess, Steve. If Hartley did kill Borrego, the resulting tension and anti-U.S. propaganda will be enough to switch the election over into the hands of a hostile minority. Yeah. Hey, look, you say if Hartley killed Borrego. I kind of get the idea that you think the whole deal might be a frame, do you? I don't think anything, Steve. I'm sending you down there to do my thinking for me. Well, just one think, Commissioner. You take it. What's that? Suppose it isn't a frame. Suppose Hartley really did kill Borrego. In that case, Steve, we're licked. We haven't a leg to stand on. But that's just what you've got to find out, one way or another. Get down there, Steve, and do anything that's necessary to get to the bottom of this whole rotten mess. Well, that's it. You've got your assignment? Yeah, 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 I know. Good luck, and good luck to you, too. National Broadcasting Company is presenting Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Donlevy in the role of Steve Mitchell, colorful two-fisted government agent. At all those places of the world where danger and intrigue walk hand in hand, there you will find Steve Mitchell on another Dangerous Assignment. (laughs) 
Sure, I've got my assignment. Fly down to a Latin American country and find a murder suspect named Hartley. Then prove that the charge against him is a, just a frame to swing an election. And all of this, of course, in the face of a few characters from an opposing team who'll be trying, no doubt, to take me out of the ball game for keeps. It's Friday when my plane lands at the capital city. I always figure if you don't know where else to start, start at the top. So I head for the office of the prime minister, a worried gent named Valdez. It is a bad situation, Senor Mitchell. An incident this serious could easily be enough to start a landslide that would carry the fascists into power in the election. Yeah, that dead man, Borrego, suppose you tell me a little about him. Well, it is my secret belief that uh, he had almost outlived his usefulness to his party. His reputation had become so bad. But now, of course, it is quite different. Sure, now he's a big fat martyr, huh? Precisely. One of the newspapers here in the city is controlled by Borrego's party, and they, of course, are busy convincing everyone that Borrego was the greatest man who ever lived. Well, I guess that's all I need to know about Borrego, but what about this murder suspect, Hartley? Where does he fit into the picture? That is the mystifying part, Senor Mitchell. Hartley has lived in this country for several years. He represents a group of American financial interests here, uh, what you might call a lobbyist. I don't suppose you'd have any idea where Hartley is hiding, Senor Valdez. Not the slightest, Senor. Unfortunately, the fact that he is hiding looks somewhat bad for him. Uh, come in. Ah, the great man himself, working tirelessly behind his desk uh, to lead our country into slavery. Good afternoon, Senor Ortic. I see that our powerful northern neighbors have lost no time in sending one of their agents down here. Senor to... Ortig is editor of one of our newspapers, Senor Mitchell. Three guesses which one. Mm. And you have issued the necessary orders to the so-called head of our government, Senor Steve Mitchell. Look, Ortig... Senor Ortig, your insolence is by now familiar to me, but I must ask you, if you intend to converse with us, that you observe the common courtesies. One does not speak with the mouth full. Mm. <clears throat> see, you are right. You see, Senor Steve Mitchell, being but a poor, ignorant citizen, I'm not familiar with some of the refinements of life. Oh, brother. But uh, here, perhaps the two of you will share my simple food, huh? Senor Valdez? No, gracias. Senor Mitchell? I go and I have plenty in this paper bag. Plenty of what? Sunflower seeds. Sunflower seeds? Yeah. An excellent nerve tonic. I suspect your nerves could use a tonic at present, eh, Senor Mitchell? Hey, what do I have to be nervous about? <laughs> I see you are an excellent bluffer, eh, Senor? Look, I'm just down here to see that this Hartley guy gets a fair shake. Indeed. What kind of, um, as you say, fair shake do you think a murderer deserves, Murderer? Eh? You know, uh, I must be behind the times. Last I heard, the trial hadn't been held. And if Hartley is not guilty, why is he hiding? That's a good question, Ortig. Here's another. Any particular motive for Hartley to kill Borrego? But of course. I see you have not read my paper today. I tell all there. Suppose you tell all here. Very well. We have it on the best of authority that Hartley went to the leader of our party, Borrego, with a most treacherous proposal. Oh, what was it? Simply that Borrego sell our party out to the American imperialists Hartley represented. Naturally, Borrego refused. Hartley killed him. Sounds real simple to hear you tell it. But there's just one thing wrong with it. Your party isn't in power. How could Borrego, as its leader, be in a position to make any deals of the kind you describe? You forget that after next week, my party will be in power. That is to be decided by election, Ortic. A foregone conclusion, Valdez. You seem pretty sure of yourself. I suppose you've already got a job picked out for yourself in the new model state. Sure, director of... 
Maybe must happy to serve in whatever capacity I can. You better not cut your sunflower seeds before they're hatched, Ortig. And you, senora, better not count on accomplishing anything by this trip. Oh? Hartley is guilty. He'll be captured sooner or later, and no amount of this whitewashing by you and Valdez Pari can change that. Ortig, I warn you... Rest assured I will give the nature of your mission wide publicity, Mitchell. Now, look, I... Uh, I see you do not want publicity, eh? then I shall be more delighted than ever to give it to you. Senor Ortic, I am certain we have nothing more to say to each other. Eh, perhaps you are right, Senor Valdez. The time for talk is past. If I cannot persuade either of you to share my sunflower seeds, I'll leave. Sunflower seeds, let's see. They use those in chicken feed, don't they? <coughs> what do you mean by that? Nothing, nothing at all. I'll see you later, Ortig. Indeed you will. Well... An old-time showman in the States once said he didn't care what they wrote about him as long as they spelled his name right. I guess that goes for me, except I hope they spell the name of my hotel right, too. But I thought you did not want any publicity. I just let Ortig think that so he'd be sure to give me plenty. Ah, I understand. If this Hartley, wherever he is, should read in the paper who and where you are, he may try to contact you. That's about the size of it. Well, I'll be getting along. The best of luck to you, Senor Mitchell. But please remember, from this moment on... You are entirely on your own. On that note of good cheer, I leave Valdez's office and start walking along the sidewalk back to my hotel. It's dark now, and then I notice a figure walking along the sidewalk on the other side of the street, parallel to me and a little behind me. Just a hunch, but I speed up a little. So does he. Then I slow down. He follows suit. I'm sure he's following me. Suddenly, I turn down a side street. I hear hurrying steps behind me. Then, suddenly ahead of me, I see another figure. It's a trap. An alley opens up to my right. I dive into it. The slugs rustle my eyebrows. Then it's quiet. I wait a minute. Then ease out of the alley. No one in sight. I turn the corner, and there's a figure in the doorway. I jump him. Let go of me. Just stand still, Buster. I said, let go of me. That the same gun you were popping away at me with a minute ago? I'll take it. There. You have made a mistake, Senor Mitchell. I've made a mistake, but you know my name, huh? Don't give me that. I know your name because I have been following you. That's what I mean. But I am not one of those who shattered you a moment ago. Now, look, you expect me to believe that you didn't Mitchell, shoot... I do not feel obligated to prove what I say to you. And yet, if you will kindly place my gun under your nose and smell of it, you will see that it has not been fired recently. Huh? Well, no, it hasn't. Look, if you didn't take that shot at me, who did? Two men were following you. They ran off before I could get to this scene. Who are you, and how come you know my name? I'm Alfred Goya, chief of police. What? Precisely. And now may I have my gun back? Why, yeah, but I still don't see why you are following me. To warn you, Senor Mitchell. I know who you are and why you are here. Oh, you want me to keep hands off, huh? You could not have stated it more clearly. I guess that sort of tips me as to which camp you're in. You are mistaken again, Senor. I am in neither camp. Then what is your angle in this deal? My angle, as you call it, is quite simple. Politics is not my business, but law enforcement is. I have the best police force in South America. At present, we are engaged in the search for a fugitive from justice. Hartley? Hartley. I do not intend to let anything or anyone interfere with that search, Senor Mitchell, and by anyone, I mean chiefly you. Well, you've made yourself pretty clear, Goya. What happens if I uh, sort of get in your way somewhere along the line? My policemen are quite zealous, Senor Mitchell, and the penalty for obstructing justice is quite severe. Need I say more? No, he doesn't have to say any more. I've got the picture, and this deal, I've got no friends at all. 
Ortig and his paper are out to cut my throat. Valdez can't lift a finger to help me, and now Goya tells me that he'd be happy to steamroller me out of his way. I go back to my hotel. The papers are out by now with a story about me, so I wait in my room a couple of hours on the chance that Hartley might contact me. But nothing happens. Finally, I give up, and I go down to the bar for a drink. Down at the other end of the bar sits a dark-eyed lovely, and at least that's where she is the first time I look. The next time I look, she's right beside me. Hello. Hi. I have been talking to myself. Oh, yeah? See, I say to myself, there he is drinking alone. Here am I drinking alone. So why we don't drink together? Well, why don't we indeed? Now I ask myself questions. <laughs> say, you've got something going on all the time, haven't you? I say, Dolores, what is this boy's name? What does Dolores say? Oh, you don't get it, honey. I am Dolores. Oh, really? <laughs> Steve Mitchell's mine, Dolores. See, I thought so, but I had to be sure. What? I must talk to you about Jack. Jack? Who's Jack? And how did he get into the act? Jack Hartley. Hartley? See, I am his girl. We read about you in the paper and knew you were our one chance. I did not dare telephone your room. The police might be listening in. So I came here to the bar and waited, hoping that sooner or later you would get thirsty. Well, for once, my thirst paid off. You uh, know where Hartley is? Oh, see, I've been hiding him in my apartment. You come quickly, huh? There is no time to lose. That's the apartment house up ahead. Ah, see. Hey. What is it? Bunch of guys coming out the front entrance. Police! Yeah, and they've got a guy in the middle. Jack! Oh, Jack! That's Hartley? See, they have arrested him. Oh, great. Oh, we have to leave. Look, look, I'm going down to the police headquarters and see if they let me talk to him, Dolores. I'll check with you later. I find Goya in his office. With him is the editor, Ortiz, smirking happily through a face full of sunflower seeds. So, Senor Mitchell... Your uh, trip down to our country was quite in vain, eh? Too bad, too bad. Well, try not to cry, Ortiz. What is it you wish, Senor Mitchell? I'd like to talk to Hartley, or maybe you'd rather I didn't, huh? I see no reason why you should not. Come, I will take you to his cell. Okay. One moment. Senor Ortiz, where are you going? Hmm? Oh, you, I, I thought I would go to the cell with I you. I see or... no reason for that. Oh, but it was... You have already interviewed the prisoner. I have given you such facts as I possess. There is no need for you to accompany Senor Mitchell. As you say, Goya. I'm sorry, chum. Thanks for getting repulsive off my neck, Goya. Hartley's cell is the one at the end. Uh, one thing maybe you wouldn't mind telling me, huh? And what is that? You and your boys did a good job of finding Hartley and locking him up. Did it ever occur to you this whole deal might be a frame? Who can say? Well, what if you found out it was? Then I should work equally hard to free Hartley. You intend to do anything about finding out? There is this cell, Senor Mitchell. You may have five minutes alone with a prisoner. Hello, Hartley. Who are you? Steve Mitchell, government agent from the States. Oh? What do you want? Look, you probably know the deal better than I do. There's an election coming up here next week, the minority part wants to win. They also want to discredit the United States. So they take a U.S. citizen, you, and rig a frame on you. Frame? They charge you with the murder of their party leader, Borrego. Now, if you can just give me some idea who might be in on it, uh, some Mitchell, lead... uh, yeah. you're wasting your time. What do you mean? It's no frame. They're right. I really did kill Borrego. <laughs> Borrego. 
It's the Silver Jubilee on NBC. Tomorrow on most NBC stations, listen for the premiere of Pete Kelly's Blues. Pete Kelly, he lived the fast life of a prohibition musician when Kansas City was the heart that beat the tempo of the Roaring Twenties. His trademark was a Boston three-star cornet. His big year was 1922. You'll step into his world when you hear radio's newest dramatic half-hour, Pete Kelly's Blues, beginning tomorrow on most NBC stations. Hear it? You'll like it. And now, back to Dangerous Assignment, and Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell. Let me have that again, Hartley. You heard me right the first time, Mitchell. I killed Borrego, so they caught up with me. Like I say, you're wasting your time. Why did you kill him? I wanted to cut Borrego in on a big business deal. If his party won the election, it would have meant about two million pesos to split. But he didn't see it my way and threatened to make trouble for me. You mean the story at Ortiz ran in his lousy paper was true? Yeah. I don't know. I just can't seem to believe... Hey, wait a minute. Huh? Come over here. No, what's the matter? I want to look at you under the light. Hey, what are you doing lifting my eyelids? Just want to see something. Pupils are normal. Look, I haven't been drugged, if that's what you mean. You sure? I ought to know. Hartley, I don't know if you realize what this killing could mean. A possible split between this country and ours. The beginning of a new fascist movement. Brother, you couldn't have done a better job of selling us down the river if you tried. Will you lay off the sermon? I got troubles enough without you. Okay, okay. I'll be seeing you, Hartley. Yeah? Why? That's a good question. If I can think of an answer, I'll be back. guard leads me out of Hartley's cell and I start down the corridor wondering what I'm going to do. Then I spot a little gent massaging the floor with a broom. I get an idea. Senor, huh? excuse me, please. Under your feet, I can sweep. Oh, you uh, work here? Uh... Uh, Benito, senor. <laughs> You're most polite to put it the way you do. What do you mean? I work here, see, si, see, si. for a six-month sentence. Oh. I'm what you call a trusty. They let me wander around with a broom. Why did you get sent here, Benito? Can you beat this for making the flowery speech? Flowery speech? Oh, you mean political? Romantic. Huh? See? I say like this. I say, oh, senorita, you are the most beautiful, the most wonderful one of all of them. Will you marry me? You mean they put you in jail for that? How about that, huh? I don't get it. What's wrong with that? I make this speech six times. Each time the senorita, she say, see? Well, I still don't see what's wrong. Each time, senor, was a different senorita. Oh, brother, what a glutton for punishment. Hey, uh, look, Bluebeard, I need a little information. Sure, senor. That prisoner down at the end cell. You mean Hartley? What about him? Has there been any rough stuff used on him? Oh, you mean uh, they've been pushing him around? Yeah. No. You see anybody go in that cell with a hypodermic needle? No, senor. This is real important, Benito, so I hope you're sure about it. But I am, senor. I've been right here in the corridor ever since they bring Senor Hartley in. Okay, Benito. Thanks. <laughs> oh, look, Dolores. Crying about Hartley's not going to help. I just don't see what else I can do. I know, Senor Mitchell. You have been most kind to do all you have. It's just I cannot seem to believe it. And yet I guess... From the first, I knew. Why did he hide? I kept asking myself. Yeah, yeah, I know. Well, I've done a little checking before coming over here, and I guess in addition to his confession, they've got a pretty good case against him. Oh? 
He was seen entering Borrego's house ten minutes before the killing, and he came out running after the shots were heard. That is funny, though. Benio? Oh, nothing. Just a feeling in the pit of my stomach. Well, I, I do not understand. I'm wondering if I've overlooked anything. What would it be? Search me. It's just that there's something about this deal that doesn't quite sit right with me. Oh, Senor Mitchell, do you think there is any chance at all that, that he could be innocent? I don't know. Right now it looks real doubtful, Dolores, so don't get your hopes up. Oh. But I just happen to think of one place I haven't looked for any new leads. Where is that? His apartment. Come on. <laughs> There is Jack's apartment, Senor Mitchell. The door on the right. Okay, maybe I can get the manager to let us in. And... Hey, wait a minute. The door is ajar. Well, well. Come in, Senor Mitchell. Come in. Oh, my old friend, the chief of police. And the senorita. Senor Goya? little surprised to see you here, Goya. May I ask why? I thought you had all the case and evidence you needed against Hartley. That everything was all set. It isn't possible that you think the deal could still be a frame, is it? As I told you before, I'm interested only in seeing justice done, Senor Mitchell. So am I, Goya. That's why I came here. See if I could turn up anything in the way of a lead. But if you've already gone over the place... I arrived only a moment before you, Senor. I see. But what is it you are looking for, Stephen? There you've got me, Dolores. I don't know. I'm just checking the tables, the drawers, the ashtrays, the rug. What is it, Mitchell? What did you pick up off the rug? Goya, did you come here alone? See. Si. Has anyone else been here since Hartley went into hiding? No, senor. The room has been kept locked and under guard at my order. Why? Thanks. Where are you going, senor? See you later. Now, why'd you come back here, Mitchell? I told you you were wasting your time. Yeah, and you almost had me convinced, Hartley. I don't get you. It's all beginning to fall into place, finally. What are you talking about? It could go together this way, Hartley. Borrego is leader of the fascist party, but he's outlived his usefulness, so why not get rid of him in such a way that the cause of the party will be furthered? Kill two birds with one stone. I don't know what this is all about, but you... Just let me finish. So what the party needs is a fall guy. You. Me? Get out of here, Mitchell. You're not making sense. No, you kill Borrego. The party gets you off the hook. Borrego is the only one of those guys I knew. This had nothing to do with Take politics. Take a look at this, Hartley. Well, what is it? A little gray and white husk or something. It's the shell of a sunflower seed, and I found it in your apartment. Sunflower seed? Yeah. You know someone who's always stuffing them into his big fat face, and so do I. Ortig, the editor of the fascist newspaper. Look, Mitchell. Know how that adds up to me? Ortig was in your apartment cooking up this whole deal with you. That's a lie. You take the rap for them and they get you off. Was that it? No. You're a real keen, patriotic kid, Hartley. Get out of here. Okay, I will, but first just let me leave a cheerful little thought with you. Yeah, what is it? You think you've been pretty smart in this deal, but actually... You're the world's prize sucker. Yeah, okay, you've said you're sane, I'll get Execution out. Execution in this country is by firing squad, isn't it? What did Ortig tell you? That he had connections who'd make sure there were blank cartridges in the gun? Shut up and get out of here. You know, from the look on your face, I'd say that was the gag, all right. Blank cartridges in the firing squad gun. You through now? Sure, I'm leaving. And there's something to remember me by. You really think your beloved party boys want somebody left alive who knows as much about the deal as you do? What do you mean by that? You really think those are going to be blank cartridges? Uh, Mitchell, I... So long, Hartley. Uh... 
I leave him looking very thoughtful and slightly scared. I don't know how much of the deal I've got figured out right, but from his reactions, I've hit the main points on the nose. I also don't know how much of a dent I've made in him. But I do know this is my only chance. I give him a couple of hours to think things over, and then I innocently suggest to Dolores that she pay him a visit to cheer him up. I wait outside the jail, and pretty soon she comes out in a hurry. I follow her to a hotel and catch up with her just as she's entering the lobby. Just a minute, Dolores. What? Oh, Stephen. Come on, let's have it. What? Come on, come on, quit stalling. But I don't know what you are talking about. I arranged for you to pay a visit to Hartley in his cell so he'd have a chance to give it to you. Give what? A confession. Steve, I don't understand. Look, Hartley is now afraid the boys are going to sell him out. So what's the logical thing for him to do? Write a confession of the whole deal and smuggle it out of the jail. That's insurance for him. He gave me no such document, Look, Steve. you want to help him, don't you? You know I do, but I'm telling you the truth. He gave me no such document. But I'd have sworn he would have. Don't tell me I've figured this whole deal wrong and... What is the matter, Steve? Uh, skip it. I'll see you around. What stopped me all of a sudden is a guy outside on the sidewalk beckoning to me through the lobby window. I go out and follow him into the alley. It's Benito, the little jail trustee with a broom, only right now... Instead of a broom, he's holding a piece of paper. Here, this is for you, senor. Hartley asked me to deliver it. I was able to get a ride in the laundry truck. Hartley says it's very important. Goodbye, I got to go now. Benito melts away into the shadows by the flame from my cigarette lighter. I read the letter, and all of a sudden, everything falls into place. But too late, because right then, something else falls into place, too. A gun barrel in my ribs... Such a nasty letter, Stephen. Well, you know the old saying, Dolores. Eavesdroppers always hear ill of themselves. I guess that also applies to reading letters over other people's shoulders. Fortunate for me that only you have read the letter, Stephen. It sure is. It says that you killed Borrego and sugared Hartley into taking the rap, telling him he'd be taken care of. He would have been, too. Sure, by the firing squad with real bullets. That shuts his mouth. Your party is rid of Borrego and rides into power on a wave of anti-U.S. feeling. You analyze our plan very well. And I must thank you for mentioning the possibility of Hartley writing such a letter as this, Stephen. Otherwise, I might not have known about it. But when I saw the little man beckoning to you through the window, I followed. Yeah, you can chalk that bloomer up to me, all right. When I sent you to see Hartley, I figured he'd give you the letter, but naturally he wouldn't. Well, all of that does not matter now, Steve. I'm afraid it must be goodbye for you. Uh, just a minute, Dolores. What did you stand still, Steve? You uh, can't get away with this, you know. No, and why not? That little guy who brought me this letter. What about him? He left. No, no, that's where you're wrong. He's still around in the shadows right near here. Stephen, really, you can do better than that. Sure, he's really a policeman, special police, one of Goya's men. Stephen, really? We rigged that act in the lobby window to draw you out here in the alley. We figured you might start shooting in the hotel and somebody would get hurt. You have quite an imagination, Steve. Uh, That right hand of yours, I see you bringing it up slowly. Stop it. Better drop the gun, Dolores. Like I tell you, Benito is standing right over there in the shadows, and he's got you covered. The oldest bluff in the world. No bluff, senorita. Hey, he is there. What in the world? Thanks for turning your head, baby. Too late. I'll take the gun now. Thanks. You tricked me. Yeah, yeah, so I did as it turned out. But believe me, it was as big a surprise to me as it was to you. You were just bluffing. I sure was. Uh, Senor Mitchell, do you all right? Yeah, Benito. Thanks to a big assist from you. You'll be interested in knowing that I just passed you off as one of Goya's special police. Indeed. <laughs> that makes you a quick thinker, senor. Yeah, I told Dolores you rigged that act in the lobby window to draw her outside so nobody would get hurt. See, si, very quick thinker. Also slightly psychic. Psychic? See, si, that is why I lure her outside. Wait a minute, who are you? You just said it. One of Goya's special police. Oh, brother. Now I've seen everything. 
You see, Goya, like yourself, suspected a frame. I was stationed at the jail. When Hartley lost his nerve and wrote the confession, we know that we are right. But we needed to catch a senorita also. And now we have caught her. Well, looks like Goya deserves a lot more credit than I gave him. Yeah, he's a good man, senor. Who incidentally think the same thing about you. Oh? Uh, he is interested in knowing what glow put you on the right path. A uh, sunflower seed in Hartley's apartment. See, si, see, si, that connected Hartley and Ortiz. Eh? Yeah. That sunflower seed sort of ruined Ortiz and his plan, which is quite fitting. He's a pretty seedy character anyway. Oh, Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell with Herb Butterfield as the commissioner, is written by Bob Reif and Adrian John Doe, with music by Robert Armbruster and is produced and directed by Bill Karn. Others in the cast were Bill Conrad, Betty Lou Gerson, Tony Barrett, Paul Fries, and Bill Johnstone. Be with us again next week at this time when Brian Donlevy, starring in the role of Steve Mitchell, will embark on another Dangerous Assignment. <laughs> It's the Silver Jubilee on NBC. Welcome back. This was a good episode with an interesting solution. There were several solutions that to me seemed kind of obvious, and they didn't go with any of them, and I was pleasantly surprised. Steve Mitchell, on the other hand, was not quite so pleasantly surprised, based on the big plot twist, but lives another day thanks to the quick thinking of the local police. Again, not what you would typically expect, but I like them changing it up a bit. Now, I will say that Steve's statement that it's hot in South America that time of year is a really big generalization since a large part of South America is below the equator. However, I guess it would be hard to call him out on it if the commissioner said, well, Steve, actually, for the parts of South America that are below the equator, it is technically winter. It's and so, in Argentina, it's actually the start of the coldest month of the year. And Steve would say, are you sending me to Argentina? No, I'm sending you to this unnamed country. But my point is that if it was Argentina, it would be very temperate with highs in the 50s. And with that note, we turn to listener comments and feedback. And we have a comment on our 4,150th episode's special Fragile Contents Death. And over on YouTube, listener writes, What triggered me in the story was when they destroyed the little boy's watch. As someone who ordered from Finger Hut and service merchandise as a kid, I counted the days until I got that package. And if it didn't show up on time, I would bug that mailman until he looked into it. 
Well, thanks so much for the comment. I can definitely see that. I didn't order stuff often by mail, in part because we moved around so much when I was a kid until after my 11th birthday, but it would definitely be upsetting if he ordered something special and it got destroyed by the post office, even with appropriate reimbursement. So many folks don't know how easy they have it with all the two-day shipping and such that's offered these days. Well, now it's time to thank our Patreon supporter of the day. And I want to go ahead and thank Boz. Boz has been one of our Patreon supporters since April of 2019. Currently supporting the podcast at the detective sergeant level of $7.14 or more per month. Thank you so much for your support, boss. And that will do it for today. If you are enjoying this podcast, please follow us using your favorite podcast software. If you are listening to the podcast on YouTube, be sure to like the video, subscribe to the channel, and mark the notification bell. All those great things that help the channel grow and will hopefully help us reach 10,000 subscribers this year. We'll be back next Wednesday with another episode of Dangerous Assignment, but join us back here tomorrow for Mr. Chameleon, where... Mr. Chameleon, this this dreadful thing, how could it have happened? I feel as if I'm going mad. Mrs. Blake, your sister Rose was found in this room, stabbed to death with a paper knife. You were the only person in the room with her, and you admit the paper knife is yours. Yes, but if if I killed Rose, I, I didn't know I was doing it. I may have done it in a dream, in in a nightmare. That might be very difficult to prove, Mrs. Black. Mr. Chameleon, you, you must help me. I intend to, if you're innocent. But my job is to find the murderer, whoever it is. And if I'm guilty, if I killed my own sister, I want to be convicted. Tell me something. Did you and your sister live alone in this house except for Tompkins, your butler? Yes, we lived here alone. That is... After my husband and and my son, Roddy. They were killed in an automobile accident? Yes, two years ago. But as I told you, Roddy has come back to me lately. Back from the dead. I heard his voice right here in this room. Did your sister hear it too? If she did, she wouldn't have told me, Mr. Chameleon. Rose didn't usually sleep in this room with me. But she, she was worried about me. And that's why she was here tonight. She had reason to be worried. What is the name of the man that you've been consulting? What? Well, this man who makes you think that you're hearing your son's voice. What's his name? I, I I, can't remember. I only went there once. I can't remember his name. I hope you'll be with us then. In the meantime, do send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.